We want to welcome all those by way of television and radio and other means of communication. We want to get the word out. We consider it a real privilege and honor to come into your homes. Give us feedback on ways to improve our worship service. If you have a particular hymn or scripture or sermon topic that you would like to be have delivered, let us know. Appreciate any input that we can receive. And I want to thank the local television program that makes this possible. And without the local television program and the radio and our staff here, and Gary and Robin and others that make this telecast possible. And so we want to just praise the Lord for your, your abilities, whether you're shut in, whether you're in prison or whatever means, unable to be with us. We consider it a real honor and a privilege to be able to minister to you. Opening him is, Oh, How I Love Jesus, purple number 170. If you've been seated for a while and you may want to stand, that's fine. Otherwise, if you want to make, remain seated, we're not large in numbers, but we're high in quality. So sing this out. Oh, how I love Jesus. Like you really mean it. seated. Our next hymn is Lord You Come to the Lake Shore, purple number 344, in memory of Florence Bartella and the Bartellas faithfully watch us by way of television and radio and we appreciate going into their home. 
Amen. Let us go to the Lord in prayer with our prayers of petition and intercession. Father, we want to thank you for our splendid Sunday school class. We were led by our Sunday school, school teacher, Ira Sims. We pray that you continue to bless him as he goes on to share at other churches this morning. We thank you, Father, for the presence of Pastor George Groves, and we thank you for the healing of his lovely wife, Char, and we give praise to you for the prayers. We thank you for Pastor Dan being with us from the Jehob Church today, and, and we regularly pray for Jehob, and we pray for the ministry that they are conducting. And Lord, oftentimes when we speak to people about the the problems dividing the United Methodist Church, we, we begin by saying that if you are not aware of what we are about to tell you, it will be hard for you to believe. It's, it's, it's almost like the sound of an ancient astronomer trying to convince you that the earth revolves around the sun when everyone is certain it's the other way around. We come across the, such a lunatic of an earlier year proclaiming that the world is round when everyone knows it's flat. Some things are hard to believe even though they are true. Then I oftentimes describe to them the deeper issues that divide the United Methodist Church. I tell them we are divided about the Bible, the authority of the Word of God. Over the years, there's been United Methodist pastors who've made statements about how the Bible cannot be trusted to tell us God's will and how they scoff at those of us who believe the scriptures are the inspired word of God. I recount our differences about the work of the Holy Spirit and how many United Methodist pastors have told me the Spirit, the Spirit is revealing new truths that contradict and override what the Bible teaches. And I tell them about my conversations with highly respected, tall, steeple pastors who have told me the church created the Bible so we can recreate the Bible. And I tell them that the, the worst of all, the worst of all, we are divided on Jesus. Some of us believe Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life for all humankind. But we have bishops, we have district superintendents and ministers who warn us not to make an idol, a false god, out of Jesus. We have United Methodist Seminary professors who, who tell us that God is wholesale. God is wholesale. And Jesus is retail. Meaning that Jesus is just one of many religious teachers, not really different from Mohammed or Buddha. We have United Methodist Seminary presidents who, who have said that they feel a need to tell persons of other religions about Jesus. You don't really understand Jesus. And these are hard things to believe if we have been in our own local church, all of that, especially with leaders and pastors who are faithful to the scriptures, 
where we repeat the historic creeds and, and we mean them and where we pray for non-believing neighbors to come to faith in Jesus. These are hard things to believe, but they are true. And now there's another hard truth we must accept. The commission on general conference, delayed general conference, for political reasons. The commission did not simply disappoint us by deciding not to hold general conference here in Minnesota. They chose not to hold general conference, and they chose not to do the work that could have made it possible for a amicable separation. Trusted members of the commission report that the international delegates who spoke up during the, the, the deliberations concerning general conference argued that it could be held and that delegates from around the world could find a way to travel to the United States. And those who argued otherwise were primarily white, American, and liberal. It's hard to believe that a desire to sabotage the protocol of grace and reconciliation through separation was the reason many commission members voted against holding general conference. But it's even harder not to. The, the Episcopal Church, the Lambeth Conference of Bishops, the United Methodist Women, and the Wesleyan Covenant Association all are all holding large in-person meetings this spring and, and summer with delegates coming from all around the world. And where there is a will to meet, there is a way. Where there is a will to undermine the one solution that would have led to these things, they know not. And if we believe the progressives who will be in control of the denomination when many traditional traditionalists leave, will allow us to deny justice to same-sex couples who want to be married in our churches, if we believe liberals will permit our annual conferences to discriminate against partnered gay persons who feel called to be pastors, if we believe a bishop will never send a progressive pastor to our congregations of conservatism to make them into a real, so-called real Methodist church, then, then we are all in denial. The progressives have told us who they are. They, they have been open about their agenda. And, and after the commission's decision to cancel a general conference that could have allowed us to go on our separate ways in peace, it's very obvious that some church leaders will do anything necessary to reach their goal of a, a woke, a woke liberal denomination, even if it means harming traditional churches. And it's high time for us to open our eyes and our hearts and our minds to these hard things. And it's time to do a hard thing, prayerfully considering leaving the current ongoing liberal UM church. And I, I hope you and our congregations will join other traditional Wesleyans in the global Methodist church. It may take time to do that, we have hard decisions in front of us. My prayer is that the traditionalists that believe in Wesleyan theology of, of the supremacy of Scripture 
Bible, tradition, reason, and experience will step into a better day with others who believe in the Lordship of Jesus, the truth of the Scriptures, and the transforming work of the Holy Spirit. And we pray, Father, for the analysis of our congregation. We come against any thoughts of closure during our anticipatory evaluation of, of our day-to-day needs financially. We, we trust, Father, that you're going to meet those financial needs through that period and that era of whoever may join us. We, we thank God for Jay Hoppen. We thank God that you're prospering them. Continue to bless Dan as he leads Jay Hop, his lovely wife, Wendy, and others who have their hearts and their souls in, in the church of Jesus Christ. We pray for Leanne Hoff. We pray for your continual hand of healing upon her. For Michelle, Chris Larson's daughter, we thank you for the many prayer warriors and the prayer chains that are supporting her in this. The highs and the lows and the moments of discouragement and encouragement, we, we pray that you'd be with Chris, who is such a faithful member. We pray for those who may be joining our church today who have worked hard and, and we should never question their Christianity but for one reason or another they, they were not registered as voting members we pray that ultimately in the future if, if it comes to a vote that we may stand for the historic faith John Wesley never wanted to develop another denomination he wanted to reform the Anglican church of his father, Samuel. But eventually he was never allowed to preach, preach in the Anglican church. So they started an organization of the holy clubs. They called them Bible moths. Later they called them, oh, they're just full of methods of doing this and that, methods. And that term stuck a derogatory term first, but then it turned into a, a movement. The Methodist Church, the Methodist Church, grew to be the second largest Protestant congregation around the world. And then in 1968, it merged with the Evangelical United Brethren, and it became the United Methodist Church. And it seemed like in the oncoming years, and I know in my 50 years plus of going to annual conferences, ever since, they did not emphasize scripture or tradition, reason, and experience. The four corridors of the trilateral scripture. When scripture is not elevated, persons fall away. And Father, we pray this morning as we Turn to your word and as we realize that this Sunday, this Sunday is, is the happy birthday of the Global United Methodist Church and the Wesleyan Church. That May 1st, 2022 is the birthday 
and all throughout the world, congregations are considering this global United Methodist Church, which will stand on the true foundations, the true foundations of Wesleyanism. We pray, Father, that you would bless our scripture today, which is found in John chapter 21, verses 15 and following. The lectionary scripture. And Father, we just pray that you would teach us to pray as you taught your early followers to pray, saying together, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors and lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Oftentimes I follow the lectionary because it's a, a way that we can get through the, the Bible over a three-year period or so. In the lectionary reading, which we will not be necessarily commenting on, but I do want to read it. It's taken from John chapter 21, and as Mike comes and prepares to share his word with us today as we turn to John Gospel. <clears throat> word of encouragement as Jesus appears to the seven disciples and then he ultimately speaks to Jesus and Peter. John chapter 21 verses 15 and following. When they had finished break breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Do you love me more than these? And he said to him, yes, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And Jesus said to him again, feed my lambs. And the second time, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, Son of John, John, do you, you really love me? He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said to him, Ten, ten, my sheep. And he said to him the third time, the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter felt hurt. Peter felt hurt because Jesus said to him the third time, you love me. And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. May God bless the reading and hearing of his word. Good morning, brothers and sisters. Morning, Mike. You know, I was thinking about our church here. How I feel so at home when I'm with you in here. And I thought that would be a good sermon to actually expound on that. Why do I feel loved by brothers and sisters, you and, and the people of our church? The first verse I would like to cover is Matthew chapter 5, verse 16. Jesus commends his disciples and us 
to let your light shine before others so that you may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. I'm going to give a lot of verses today, so you may certainly write them down if you feel like it and study them. I'm not going to read them all, so I'm going to reference them for sure, though. An obvious way to identify a fellow Christian is recognizing how they love and what they say and what they do. We continuously benefit others by loving them and keeping John chapter 13, verse 34 and 35, which says others will recognize Christ by the new and fresh way you show love to others. I'd like to say that we are literally children of God, literally. He's our Father through our faith in Jesus Christ. Galatians chapter 4, verse 4 through 7, tells us we are in the same family and belong to God. An excellent verse that captures the essence of the relationship between us and God is Romans chapter 8, verse 11 through 18. We can help each other grow and develop our own faith according to Galatians chapter 5, verse 13. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 16, Jesus commands everyone to let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Living our lives by Galatians chapter 6, verse 2, show us the way that, to do this by bearing others' burdens. Any burden anybody carries would be so much lighter if it's shared. Sometimes this can be accomplished. How do I bear somebody else's burden? Sometimes just listening to them lifts their burden off their shoulder. And that is a way of sharing. It's by listening to somebody, their issues, how they're going through life, what their, what their issues are, what problems with life. James chapter 5, verse 16 says that praying for other family members will help them. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 25 reads that we should always be truthful with one another. There is never, ever room in God's family for lies or half-truths. This rule includes both our immediate and church families. This verse tells us to put away all falsehoods. There is no room for falsehood, not only in the church, but in your home, or in your mouth, or in your mind. Another verse I'd like to cover is Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13 and 14. This verse relates to us the meaning of Christ's death on the cross. Because of our faith in Christ, we are sealed with the Holy Spirit with a guaranteed inheritance. It's not a might be, it not could be. It's a guaranteed inheritance from God with our faith in Christ. We become God's children and are a guaranteed heir of his eternal promise until we receive our promised kingdom after we graduate from our life here on earth. People like say passing or death. I don't prefer that. If you pass from earth, you've graduated. You've been promoted. You go to heaven. You go and stand in the presence of the loving, precious God. 
That's why I say, when you leave Earth, you've graduated. The primary point of my sermon is found in Romans chapter 9, verses 25 and 26. It says, God, it's God himself that chooses who are not his family and those who are to be called beloved and family members. And in the place where we are, you are not called my people, you'll become children of the Most High God. I know I've said that a few times, but it's worth repeating. We are the very children of the Most High with an eternal inheritance and holiness. Holiness. I've been there. I've been to heaven. Holiness is indescribably, I don't even know the word to a rapturous. When I died in the hospital, I felt the perfection and I can't put words on it because it's indescribable. When I was in heaven and faced the Lord, I remember his two words to me, not yet. Oh yeah, I remember those. But what I cannot forget is the feeling of perfection I felt when I stood in heaven before the Lord. It's life on earth is worth the wait. I'll just put it that way. <laughs> in the end, when a church family lives God's principles of love towards others, it is God that is ultimately and actually glorified. When you're, when you're doing something for somebody else and when you, you're loving somebody else and giving of your time or resources, you're not supposed to get the glory. You can, and that's always appreciated. But he should be getting the glory. And when you're helping somebody else, it's always nice to drop them the line, yeah, well, well, you're welcome. When they say thanks, say, well, you're welcome. But you know who deserves the thanks? He does. God the Father is due all glory and honor with all of our words and actions through his Son, Jesus Christ, where our faith brings us home to. Amen. Amen. <clears throat> Thank you, Mike. I was going to lead you in singing happy birthday to the new global United Methodist Church, which stands out, which is being birthed today, is a, a remodeled Methodist church that stands more squarely on the principles of John and Charles Wesley and true Methodism. Global Methodist Church, and sometimes people are a little tripped up by global because global is been used in a kind of a bad, bad sense in, in a number of situations. But, you know, um, I've noticed that sometimes, you know, God's terms, God's words are sometimes taken up by Satan or the world. You know, and even the world, I find worldly people that don't believe in Christ, don't believe in the church, don't believe in the mission of Christ talking about being saved from this and saved from that. Salvation is always God's turn. That body that was broken, that blood that was shed, 
as we come to know Jesus Christ and we ask him into our hearts and our lives and we ask Jesus to um, fill us with his Holy Spirit. The date was March 3rd of this year, 2022, with humility, with hope and enjoy a 17-member body of theologically conservative Methodist clergy and laity known as the Transitional, Transitional Leadership Council. Was pleased to announce the Global Methodist Church will officially launch, launch on its birthday of May 1st, 2022, which is this date. Supported by fervent prayers and faithful discernment, fasting and prayer and sure hope for the future, the Global Methodist Church was a Holy Spirit-inspired movement committed to making disciples of Jesus Christ who worship passionately, love extravagantly, and witness boldly. I believe it was, what, three or four members of our congregation, Gary and Kathy and Robin, went out to one of their meetings in Dakota and came back really impressed. And I'll try not to overlap a lot of the information that they brought back and shared with you here a number of weeks ago. But thousands, thousands of Methodist clergy and laity from around the world have worked together for over three years and many, many can look back at the root some 50, almost 55 years ago prior to the merger of the EUB, Evangelical United Brethren, the Methodist Church in 1968 and I started going annual conference as a lay delegate. They were always trying to corner me into going into ministry and my field was medicine and preparation for pre-med. But I represented the church and I shared Christ on the field and on the court and the various athletic events in high school and college. So I was really a preacher even before I went to seminary. But thousands of Methodist, serious Methodist clergy and, and laity from around the world have worked together for over three years to lay the gauntlet and the groundwork for this new theologically conservative Methodist denomination, which was steeped in the great ecumenical and evangelical confessions of the Christian faith. They envisioned a, a church that was fired up, fired up by, by a warm-hearted Wesleyan, Wesleyan expression of that faith that is dedicated to sharing the good news of Jesus Christ in the world in every act and deed. The Global Methodist Church will warmly welcome people eager to join others in fulfilling this mission. But the transitional time or the transitional leadership council and the president of the Wesleyan, the Wesleyan Covenant Association reminded us all that we've heard the truth of Jesus Christ, we've experienced the forgiveness of, of our sins and grace and love, and so now we bear witness to this transforming, 
and triumphant power of Jesus Christ. We, we long to take our place alongside of our brothers and our sisters in the church, universal who seek to live out their faith in everyday ways so that others might come to know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. And after working for years to renew and to reform the United Methodist Church, and I can assure you that Pastor George Groves, who frequently worships with us, experienced these valleys and mountains and in Wisconsin. After having worked for years to renew and to try to reform the United Methodist Church, it was late in, 19, or in 2019, 2019 that theological conservatives faithfully led United Methodist bishops and leaders, and they were trying to develop a compromise, trying to become more centrist, trying to become more accommodating. But they found that their, the amicable separation was not to be had. And this progressive advocacy groups began to hammer out an orderly plan to divide the United Methodist denomination. At one time, the liberals were going to leave, and then they found that they just probably couldn't exist without the assets. So they made it rough. Then there was the plan. The plan, you've heard me mention it probably for years now, the plan known as a protocol. It was a protocol of reconciliation and, and grace through separation rapidly gained the support of people across the United Methodist Connection, and it, it appeared headed for approval by the denomination in the May 2020 General Conference to be held here in Minnesota, metropolitan area. But unfortunately, after two previous postponements, the UM Church's Commission on General Conference announced that it was postponing the conference for a third time. Its inability to find ways to help international, it was international delegates gain access to COVID vaccinations and, and to secure the United States entry visas led to the cancellation. And consequently, the protocol cannot be adopted this year, so faithful and patient United Methodists will not be afforded the opportunity to part ways with the United Methodist Church according to the protocol terms. And under its provisions, every theologically conservative local church and annual conference would be allowed to join the Global Methodist Church with clear title to all of their property and assets and all for all, all time perpetuity that many United Methodists have grown impatient along the line and many denominations clearly struggling to function effectively at the general church level 
Theologically conservative local churches and annual conferences want to be free of this very divisive and destructive debates. It seemed that the last 25 to 30 years you'd go to conference and conservatives were always silenced. We are confident that many existing, existing congregations and will join this new global Methodist church in waves after the next few years. And new church plants will, will sprout up as faithful members exit the old UM church and develop new congregations. It's anticipated that some theologically conservative local churches will find annual conferences willing to negotiate fair and just exit, exit provisions, while others, other bishops will unfortunately face obstacles placed in their paths. And that's why, since there's an urgency in the Minnesota Conference, because currently as liberal as our bishop is, at least he still believes in the Bible. But unfortunately, he's not only representing Minnesota and Michigan and Dakotas and spread very thin. And we don't know what the new bishop's positions will be. And currently, our district superintendent has been very supportive of me. And we grew up together and we pastored, he pastored my hometown church and we did funerals together in the, the area but we don't know what the next district superintendent could be more or more liberal. And this transitional leadership council decided that it was time to launch the global Methodist church. So those who leave early will have a place to land, to begin building and growing and making room for others to join later. And for theologically conservative local churches deciding to remain in the UM church for a time, I fear we are confident that if they're not picked up by the good news movement or the confessing movement, other conservative movements, or the UM action or the Wesleyan Covenant Association will continue to ferociously advocate for the ultimate passage of the protocol. And every theologically conservative local congregation and annual conference should have the right to join the global Methodist church with all of its property and assets intact. Over the past two years, this transitional leadership council has, has met on an almost weekly basis to create this global Methodist church in formation. Informed by the work of the Wesleyan Covenant Association, the Global Council, the, the Legislative Assembly, and dozens of other task force teams that prepared white papers covering a host of issues, the, the members of this prepared uh, transitional book of, <coughs> excuse me, doctrines and discipline, because, see, the current United Methodist Church wants to delete 
many biblical promises, and especially the open sexuality of marriage between Adam and Steve and Bev and Eve. The book will govern the church during a transitional period prior to the convening of this general conference to be held in the next 12 to 18 months. But we need to get our, our items in roll here. The transitional book of disciplines and discipline is part of that transition, you know, transition movement from one to the other. It's found in this new church's website of the crossroads. The, this weekly e-newsletter is published. And once a month, normally the um, first Sunday of the month, you can go on and every um, first Sunday of the month, and you can listen in and join it. Many of you have. You get updates. You talk to Robin or Chris as how to get on. And today is the first Sunday of the month at 7 o'clock tonight. Various updates on where we're at in this whole process. And persons and churches really interested in aligning with this global Methodist church. In aligning with the global Methodist church may express their interest through the, the new church's leadership. And we're fortunate to have our president who pastors Ossie United Methodist Church and secretary of Pilgrim United Methodist Church. And as we embark in this new um, great venture, we know <coughs> we know that we'll stumble, we'll, we know that we'll fall at times, but with the great prophet, the great prophet Isaiah, we also firmly believe that in God's good time, we'll run and not be what? Weary. We'll run and not be weary, and we'll walk in the way of the Lord and not faint. Father God, we've seen kind of a, a disastrous evolution of a deterioration of faith over the last 50-some years. Our one-time bishops and district superintendents truly stood for the, the Bible and truly stood for the discipline. And now they're changing the Bible, they're changing the discipline. And they're allowing so much pleasure out there outside of the context of marriage and outside of the context of the Bible and, and outside of what John and Charles Wesley, the Wesleyan movement, said was the four principles of scripture, tradition, reason, and experience, and that we should analyze all movements by, by scripture, tradition, reason, and experience. Father, in a few moments, we're going to open up the altar, open up, and turn in our, our hymnals to truly joining the church. And if there's anybody out there that is unsure of their 
commitment to Christ or their membership in this church, we want to make it totally apparent and totally above board that they're truly members of this church. We want to cross all the T's, we want to dot all the I's. So if at any time in the future there's a question of membership, we realize that a part of the board of trustees that one-third of the trustees can be non-members, but within our voting body we realize that for the transfer of property or the transfer of, of certain principles, we, we need total membership. With every head bowed and every eye closed and those joining us by way of television or radio or other means of communication, if they would pray with us. Dear Jesus, I thank you for dying for me. Your body was broken. Your blood was shed for me. Help me to digest that. And now as we move into the particulars of the Methodist Church, grant us sincerity in Jesus' name. Amen. Are there those that would like to definitely say that they'd like to join. I know I talked with um, Chris and Tina and Mike and Joel. There's um, various members that that have been faithfully serving. And you know, I, the thought just occurred to me, um, Pastor George Groves, you are now a layperson, right? Okay. Well, you want to move that membership to the Methodist Church. <laughs> so, um, Robin, you want to come forward and. Curtis Joe and Chris and Mike and Tina, did you decide? And let us as a congregation turn in the beginning of our hymnals. If those who are joining, if they would please bring your purple hymnals along. And I'd like you to turn to page 46. I wasn't aware that many of you were not members. And I want to thank Ed and Dolores and Dolores and Ed for um, bringing this to our attention. We want to get it in writing. We want to make sure. And if you want to come forward, if you can just kind of stand by the altar, and I'm going to be asking you some questions, and you'll find them on page 46 and 47. I think you've been baptized. So we'll kind of be jumping around a little bit here as we um, ask you questions. But... Do um, bring your hymnals along. I ask you a, a question that on page 46 there, do you in the presence of God in this congregation renew the solemn vow and promise that that was made at your baptism if you so intend, say I do. Do you truly and earnestly repent of your sins if you so do, say I do. Do you believe in God the Father? I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. Do you believe in Jesus Christ? I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born to the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven 
is seated at the right hand of the Father and will again to judge the living and the dead. Do you believe in the Holy Spirit? I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. And do you receive and profess the Christian faith as contained in the scriptures of the Old and the New Testament, if you so do say, I do? Do you promise, according to the grace given you, to keep God's holy will and commandments and to walk in the same all the days of your life as faithful members of Christ's holy church, if you so intend to say, I do? Then if you turn to page 48, will you be loyal? And we could also consider there's probably going to be a lot of movement from this terminology here, but the terminology will be consistent in the global Methodist United Methodist. Do you uphold the church in which you worship by your prayers, your presence, your gifts, and your service? If you so intend, say, I will. And let those who are members of the congregation of the United Methodist Church, all of it here, and not desire, and as you move down as a commendation and a welcome, if all all of us would join in this, the bold black print. Brothers and sisters, we do commend to your love and care these persons whom we this day receive to the membership of this congregation. Do all in your power to increase their faith, to confirm their hope, and to perfect them in love. And as the congregation responds, we rejoice to recognize you as members of Christ's Holy Church and bid you welcome to this congregation of the United Methodist Church. With you, we renew our vows to uphold it by our prayers, our presence, our gifts, and our service. With God's help, we will so order our lives after the example of Christ that, surrounded by steadfast love, you may be established in the faith and confirmed and strengthened in the way that leads to life eternal. Now may God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit bless you all, preserve you, and keep you now and forevermore. Amen. And I'm sure that that Jeannie doesn't mind sharing her birthday party with all these new faces because they're not necessarily new. So let's give them a round of applause. Amen. And thank you. You may dismiss, be dismissed. And let us turn to our bulletins as we make our offertory statements today, our offertory prayer. If you join me in the prayer that's printed in our bulletins, Redeeming God, we live in a world that is far too ready to say that you can't be found, ready to choose punishment over mercy, judgment over compassion. Our world is so eager to put energy into exclusion rather than working to be inclusive of all your children. We confess to you that, like Saul, we have been blind, even in our sightedness, to what you are doing in the world. We need our eyes to be truly open, Lord, to who you really are. Let our blindness fall away and let us see the good that we can do through our prayers, our presence, our gifts, our service, and our witness to help usher in your kingdom here and now. May the gifts we give this morning be just the beginning of our availability to be your tools for bringing about the world you desire. We pray it in the name of the risen Christ. Amen. As the ushers come and wait upon you for your tithes and your offerings, let us turn to our offertory prayer, O Jesus, I have promised. Purple, number 396, please.
Would you stand with me, please?
Almighty God, we come in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We address the, thy resurrection power. You offer us life that overcomes death. You offer us light that overcomes darkness. You offer us hope that overcomes our deepest despair. And what response could we offer? Our ties and our gifts, yes, but our minds, our hearts, our bodies, and our witness as well. May our minds be about understanding who you are and who you long for us to be in this world. May our hearts overflow with your love and compassion for the poor, the oppressed, and the forgotten. May our bodies carry us out of the tombs of isolation to engage our neighbors and sisters and brothers. May our witness be the hallelujahs we take with us to bring hope to everyone who meet. In the risen Christ we pray. Amen. And I think it's been a while since we've been dismissed by, uh, by an alliance. Is it alliance? Dan, would you dismiss us in a word of prayer? Um, I thought some after I gave my sermon, I, I really feel the need to share with you spiritually. Um, what are we supposed to do other than show love? Father, we just pray for Margaret and Mike. You know the struggles that they're going through. and We thank you for Kathy sharing a trusted friend, friend of many years, faithful members of the church in the past, children involved in Christian work. We pray, Father, that you would continue to renew those needs. We thank you for a miracle like Char Groves has experienced. Bless that family, and may they realize it. Amen. Do you want to put that in a prayer, or would you like me or Pastor George to do it? Father, we just want to thank you for the prayers that are brought forth. We thank you for our praying audience by way of television and radio and Facebook and other means. We thank you, Father, that 
we don't necessarily be physically present as we just believe that you're granting the wisdom and the expertise of the doctors and the nurses caring for Mark and the little one, for Julie, and continue to encourage her as she shared scripture with us many Sundays after Boone stepped aside from the pulpit, after he passed from this life to the next. We just pray, Father, you know the, the needs and all the things that Tina has brought. In Jesus' name, amen. <laughs>